we are glad you're here because we love celebrating the resurrection life of Jesus. That's what we do best. But before we open up the word, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your amazing plan that sent Jesus to be our perfect sacrifice. Thank you that you raised him from the dead and that we can look forward to a resurrection life. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, hope keeps you going. You can put in long hours in a batting cage because you've been invited to spring training and you have hope. You can faithfully gather the carts at Woodman's because you're going to be graduating in May and you've got hope. You can do physical therapy daily and push through the pain because you have hope of walking again. You can go to marriage counseling and work through all the hard stuff because there is hope in your soul that there's going to be an amazing marriage and it's going to come. It's going to come. You can also joyfully serve others, changing diapers, helping third graders learn a verse, vacuuming floors like, yeah, there's a lot to vacuum at the moment, teaching the Bible because you have hope. There's going to be something more. There's going to be reward. There's going to be opportunity for you to enjoy eternity. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul went around planting churches. And actually, this was challenging. It was, it was difficult. But he knew God's plan. He knew God's plan was the church. And he saw the kingdom impact that the unified body of Christ had. So all the work that Paul put in He was hopeful. I'm going to spend the majority of my time in 1 Corinthians 15. So you can turn your digital copies there or your Bibles, or there will be screens behind me that you'll be able to follow along. But before we do that, I just wanted to give you a little background about the Corinth church. Paul himself spent about 10 months there teaching and training and helping these believers get stronger in their faith. Then Paul left and he got word. He got word that the Corinthian church had lost hope. Lost hope. That was pretty serious. What had happened is, is that there were people dying. And they heard Paul's teaching and said, hey, Jesus is coming back. Jesus will come back soon. Well, wait a minute. There are people dying and we're burying them. And where's Jesus? Like, what's going on? Is this all there is to life? Paul. Well, Let's read from God's word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 1. And this is Paul's response. He says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it back then and still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you. 
if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, a little sarcasm here, of course you believe something that was never true in the first place. Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have died. Then he had been seen by James and later by all the apostles. Later, Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, Paul says, I saw him. I saw him. Paul was taught what was important, what was foundational. And that is what he sat down with the church at Corinth and he spent time in Bible studies and spent time in small groups and spent time preaching. And he wanted them to understand what was important. And the message that was so critical, not only to them, but to us, is that Christ died for my sins. Even a very good person like Paul needed a savior. We all do. Then he said, Christ was nailed to a cross in order to satisfy God's wrath and pay his debt for sin so he could have a relationship. Jesus was buried and rose from the grave on the third day. He was seen by over 500 people and eventually Paul himself saw Jesus. So to Paul, there was no doubt about it. Jesus was raised from the dead. He knew of people that saw him and people who were still alive. This was a fact. This was the good news that was shared. Well, we call it the gospel today. The gospel is, is that Jesus loves you, loves us, each one of us so much that he said, hey, I do want a relationship with you. And the only way, because God is just and God is holy, that we can have a relationship with him is that, well, someone had to die to pay the debt, to pay for the sin. And that was Jesus. Something we celebrated, if you can say that, last Friday, where he was nailed to a cross and his blood was spilled so that each one of us might have this relationship with God. Well, the exciting thing is, is that not only did he die, but he was buried and he was raised to life. And we're going to be talking a lot about that today. So each one of us, if we don't have a relationship with God, can have one today. We can begin a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. Let's keep reading. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 12. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there's not going to be any resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, Paul writes, 
then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would be all lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are guilty of your sins. In other words, you're still separated from God. In that case, this is what Paul says, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Why are some of you Corinthians saying there's no resurrection from the dead? If bodies can't be resurrected, well, then Jesus wasn't raised. And if Christ didn't conquer death, then our preaching is useless. And we basically are liars. And your faith is in vain. Believing in the resurrected Christ is pointless. There is no future. There is no hope. The sacrifice wasn't made, and we're still living in our sin, separated from God. And what Paul is saying, he's pouring out his heart. He goes, this is terrible. This is absolutely the worst news. Where the good news is that Jesus came and paid our debt, the worst news is he didn't. No hope for today and no hope for the next million years. And then he says something that actually is shocking. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, only till we die, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. You are the saddest person alive, Paul says. You really are. Now, we're going to talk just a little bit more about this in a minute, but let's go to verse 29. Verse 29, 1 Corinthians 15, 29. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday raise again or rise again? And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Jesus Christ our Lord has done in you. And what value is there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, Paul says, let's feast And drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, I just want to say this. As you look up at that first verse, at verse 29, it seriously is one of the hardest verses in all of the Bible to translate. It it just is. But what I'm going to try to do is just give you a little bit of an understanding of what Paul is trying to say here. He is saying, so if the dead will not be raised... If all we have is what happens before the grave, what's the point of believing the saints, those ones who are dead and the ones who are in the grave, 
right now who encouraged all of us to trust Christ as Savior and be baptized. In other words, it's useless. It's pointless unless the dead will rise someday. Paul also was talking about baptism because at least in the first century, this was something that happened all the time. When someone came to faith, when someone began to follow Jesus, the next step would be to be baptized. It would be a public declaration of their faith in Jesus. It was a perfect illustration because when people would go under the water, that would be their death. And when they came up out of the water, that would share their new life in Christ. So baptism is a time when people publicly say, hey, I used to be dead below the water, and now I'm alive. I've been given life through Jesus Christ. And by the way, we have a baptism service coming on April 23rd. If any of you would like to take that next step in your faith. But then, and this is is kind of funny to me. Paul goes off. In other words, it's like somebody, you know, pressed a button. And he says this. He goes, why would I risk my life facing death daily? It's taken a toll on me, standing up for Jesus. I've been shipwrecked. I've been whipped. I've been imprisoned. Why would I do that if there's no hope, if all there is is a grave? Why would anyone go to Ephesus being torn apart by wild beasts? Whether he's talking figuratively right here or realistically, because actually at that time, Christians were torn apart by wild beasts. He says this, we should be pitied. Anybody who lives like that, that's stupid. In other words, who would live sacrificially? Who would put others first? Who would seek first God's kingdom instead of your own if you didn't have a future? You should be pitied. If there's no resurrection and no hope of eternity with God, let's feast and drink because tomorrow we die. That's pretty much how a lot of people live today. It's not actually bad advice at all. If all you have is the grave, then go crazy. Satisfy every desire that you have. Because if life is done at that moment, well, what's there to lose? Let's live it up if this is the only life we have. But Paul sees it so differently. And in verse, starting in verse 20 of chapter 15, he says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And he is the first of a great harvest of all those who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because they belong to Adam, the first man, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And then he says in verse 23, 
But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first harvest. Then all those who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Oh, Paul said without any doubt, I know that Christ has been raised. And one of the most beautiful things that are going to happen is that he was the prototype. He he showed us what's going to happen to everyone that knows Jesus. He was the first of a great harvest. We all inherited death. But those who put their faith in Jesus, well, he was raised over 2,000 years ago. We are also going to be raised. Jesus first, then the rest of all of us who have put their faith in Christ follow. This is a hope you can take to the bank. Let me pray before we focus a little bit more on what Christ's death means. We ended where Paul was talking about in order. What would this resurrection look like? Jesus first, and all the rest of those who have faith in Christ will follow? Well, let's look at verse 51 at the end of chapter 15. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Paul writes, we will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the trumpet is blown, when the trumpet sounds. Those who have died will be raised to life forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Paul says, let me share with you a secret, a mystery. Something that hasn't been talked about a whole lot before. But here is the hope. Everyone who has faith in Jesus will be transformed when Jesus returns. In other words, Christ is coming back. He left over 2,000 years ago and knows exactly the perfect time when to return to earth. And when he does, all those who have followed Christ will be transformed. If you're alive or if you're in the grave, your broken bodies, your decayed bodies will be transformed into new forever bodies that will never die. It's the dead who will rise first. Those who are in the grave But all those who are alive, you know, if you're at the checkout counter at Jewel, buying whatever, if Jesus comes then, you're gone. You know, the church in Thessalonica also had some questions. And Paul, well, shared this news in a different way with them. So turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. And I'm going to have this read for us. Let's follow. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Can you imagine that? I know it sounds like some kind of a sci-fi thing, some kind of a figment of your imagination. But this is what God says is going to happen. He will someday come back. And when he comes back, there's going to be a trumpet call, a blast. It will signal to everyone. (laughs) You're going to be transformed. That's all there is to it. All those who have died, all those who have been in the grave, whoa, they're up in the air. Those who are walking around, they're up in the air. And the promise is this, then we will be with the Lord forever. All the problems, all the tears, all the issues, all the scenarios, all right? This is not pie in the sky. This is what God says. We are so overwhelmed by his grace. There's not a one that deserves it. But anyone who comes to him, puts their faith in Christ, have a privilege to become a son or a daughter of God and have this hope. So he ends up basically saying, encourage one another with these words. I know you see people dying. I know you're discouraged. I don't want you to grieve exactly the same way. I want you to grieve differently. Like, hey, I'm going to miss you. No doubt about it, but I'm going to see you. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe you've been to a Christian funeral. Maybe there's been great joy in that funeral. Not because, again, it's the end. Well, it is as far as a relationship here on the planet. But I know that you will see them again someday. Because you will live forever. We celebrate the resurrected life of Jesus. Because this is the hope of every believer. Whether you're, you know, in kindergarten. And you make that profession of faith. Or you're at the other end. Every believer has this hope. Now what's encouraging is that I'm going to go back to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians for one more verse. Because Paul is a preacher. And he's given hope and he's sharing all these great bits of truth. But there's a little bit of Pastor Paul that comes out and says, Hey, I, I just want you to know the reason you're here is to invest. Yes, someday you will be in the grave and someday you'll have your life transformed. 
But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul writes this to the believers. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Remember this. Be immovable. Keep your faith. This is critical. Speak truth to yourself. Then here it is. Always. 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 Not sometimes. But you just heard some really good news. Always. In light of this good news, always. Uh, You are going to be transformed. You are going to spend eternity with God. So always work enthusiastically for the Lord. No matter what you do. Work enthusiastically with great energy. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You're making a difference. You're making your life count. There will be, and we're not going into this, but reward for everyone who faithfully follows and serves our Lord. You know, if we just look back a few days, it was the beginning of Holy Week, at least in our culture. And this week was, well, kept for us in history so we could understand a little bit of what Christ went through. We celebrated, certainly, Good Friday, the crucifixion where he spilt his blood. And then he was buried. And today, Christians all over the world are celebrating the risen Savior. Not only because of the life that he gives us, but according to 1 Corinthians 15, the promise that he gives us. Hey, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to be with Jesus forever. Life doesn't end at the grave. Let me pray. Father, we just are overwhelmed by your grace. We thank you for your mercy. There's no one that deserves it. But Father, all of us are separated until we put our faith in you. For those who are your kids, there's so much hope. There is such an amazing future because you have broken every chain, Father. Death no longer has a grip on us. Jesus is our living hope, our Savior, our King. And we can praise you because you have set us free. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.